Well, tonight I want to minister a message entitled to you, The Truth Shall Set You Free. And one of the things about truth is that it is, it is central and it is foundational to the Christian faith. Truth, truth. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, you've instructed us that we're supposed to worship by it, being the truth. We're supposed to speak the truth. We're supposed to be a beacon of the truth. That's what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to uh, guard the truth and not trade it. Help us tonight, Father, to understand what you want to say to your people. Give us utterance tonight and give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm praying for my friends tonight, Lord. There are areas of their life that need truth spoken into them. And Lord, I pray that you will enable them to hear it and for them to start speaking the truth to themselves. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I so appreciated Pastor Brenda's message. She really hit a grand slam on uh, the 7th of July. That was the Sunday following uh, Independence Day, July 4th. And I'm going to pick it up in John 8, 31 and 32 where she uh, just about left it off. And it goes like this in the, in the Amplified Version. Let me read a few scriptures to you. So Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples. Let me encourage you as we take a pause. This is no day to play games with God. Times are too dangerous. You must be within the confines of the word of God and not just hearing it, but doing it. And Pastor Tom, are you trying to scare us? No, not at all. I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to commend you to the word of God and the the grace of his word that you may be able to inherit the promises of God. So this, what we're talking about tonight, doesn't work for the casual. I like what Pastor Brenda said. Some people are sort of, kind of connected to the vine. Sort of, kind of. They're sort of, kind of going to church every now and again. Sort of, kind of. They're sort of, kind of have a prayer life and sort of, kind of read their Bible. Sort of, kind of, you know, every now and again. But that's not going to get it. Not with what we're dealing with. We're dealing with uh, an onslaught of evil. And not for us to be afraid, but when we are armed with the Word of God, armed with the presence of God, we can be confident in our living and in our testimony. Amen? So anyway, yeah, and let's not have kind of sorters around here. And he, and he goes on to say in verse 32, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I want to read that in the Passion Translation. Allow me. We do have it now these days. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, When you continue to embrace all that I teach you, you, will, uh, you prove that you are my true followers. For if, if, everybody say if, if you embrace the truth, it will release. What will it release, Pastor Tom? More freedom into your lives. There was an if in there. When you embrace the truth. And let me tell you, sometimes I understand our, our humanity. Sometimes it's hard to embrace truth. Because is it fair to say sometimes truth is confrontive? It'll say that attitude right there. But truth is not always confrontive towards you. Uh, truth can also be instructional and it can arm you. It could arm you to know who you are in Christ, who God is. There are things about, we're going to talk about truth. There are two dimensions of truth that I, that I observed. One has to do with identity, who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, who you are. Let me put a subtitle there. Who you are in yourself, who you are in Him. These are all points of identity. The enemy will come to you just the same way he came to Jesus. If you're really a Christian, if you're really uh, the Son of God, do this. We never take our cues from the devil. (laughs) But there are things, so issues of identity. Who the body of, who who the church is. 
and who you are in relation to the church. These are critical things that you hear come across the pulpits of of, uh, gospel preachers today. Issues of identity, very, very important. We've got to know the truth of who we are in Him. First of all, who He is. That He is a good God. That He's a good, good Father. That He doesn't break His covenant. That He's a covenant God. And then we have to, of course, learn who we are in Him. And you get a lot of that that comes across the pulpits. I just love churches like this that preach the Word of God to instruct the truth of who you are and who you are, who He is, and then who you are in Him and because of Him. But then there's another, there's another part of truth that we get, and that is uh, the truth or actual fact uh, as far as... Uh, something that occurred. So let me look at it this way. Truth or actual, in fact, avoiding distortion or misrepresentation. So in other words, when God says that there is a kingdom, well, there's more than one kingdom. There's the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven and there's the kingdom of darkness. That's instruction. Do you believe that? Or are we asleep when we're in church? We have an adversary. That's real. We have a Savior. That's real. We have a superhero Savior whose blood works not just sometimes, but every time. So these are, these are facts, things that actually happened when we were instructed that something happened on the cross that day. When he said, into your, into your spirit, do I commend my spirit? When he took the beating upon his back, healing and deliverance and these things that we, we, we hear regularly in church, these are statements of education and of things that actually happen and actually exist. The spirit realm is real. Amen. Okay, so let's, let's move on from there. So I just wanted to say that when, when we're dealing with when Jesus, by the Holy Ghost, or, or, or the minister is ministering by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, they're not, we're not to uh, think that they are exaggerating the things that they're saying. It, Jesus does not exaggerate when He says, In my Father's house there are many mansions. And I'm going to prepare a place for you so that you could be with me. At somebody. That, that, that is not an exaggeration. There really are mansions. Everybody's figuring like, where are we going with all this? Oh, hang on. Praise God. He's going to help us. He does not exaggerate. Now, we live, catch this, we live in a world of exaggeration. I spent good money for an 88,000 mile tire. I thought like, wow, or 80,000. Let's say 80,000. I says, man, that's a good tire right there. So I spent the extra money because I said, you know what? That tire will last a long time. And, and just a, about two, three years later, that I had only driven 35 to 40,000 miles and it was already all thin. I'm like, what happened? A lot of people claim a lot of things and they're not so. As a matter of fact, we're surrounded with things that are not telling us the truth. Or let me say they're misrepresentation. People that say, I'm here to help you. No, they're not. They're not there to help you. They're here to take, they're there to take something from you. You know, you go to Safeway and you get mugged. You go to pay less and actually end up paying more. You got to go to Rite Aid and get the wrong information. <laughs> you go to pennies and spend a lot of dollars. <laughs> no, it's real. It's, you end up in rush hour and actually you're not moving. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff in life that, can I just say, doesn't make sense. People promise a lot of things. They don't deliver. There's a lot of cleaners. They say, this is the magic cleaner. Oh, I got to tell you a story. This is the magic cleaner and you, and you spend your good money on it and it doesn't really work. Now, don't we get excited when something really works like the blood of Jesus? I love what Pastor Brenna said Sunday morning. She said, she said, Jesus came to loosen and dissolve and to destroy the works of the devil. He says, your past is gone. Jesus dissolved it. All of the hold that the devil had on you and who you were in the past has been dissolved. Your history is gone. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. That is amazing to me. The power of the blood of Jesus. Let me just take a minute here. I feel like preaching just a little bit. Do you realize... 
that a person that does not have the power of God is taken captive at the enemy at his will. But you, Christian, on your worst day, on your worst day, where you were tempted and you fell and you felt bad, but then you rose up and says, I take authority over you in the Jesus name and you confess your sin to God and, and the blood of Jesus comes into action and cleanses you and you repent. That, do you realize that the average individual, not the average, individuals out there walking the street, they're carrying their sin and the weight of it and the curse of it, not to mention maybe a couple of devils helping them feel bad. But there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And He's empowered us to walk the spirit life, not the flesh life. Hallelujah. All right, so let's move right again. So, so I was going to tell you a couple of stories that, about, about uh, exaggeration. I already told you the tread story. I want to tell you one of my mom's stories. This one comes from the Dominican Republic. And, I, I'm gonna, and, and there was like, I think it was a Portuguese salesperson. So you might catch some of this. I don't know. He, so there, there was this guy that came to town and he was selling flea tonic. Flea tonic. You know, something you put this on your pets, it'll kill all the fleas. So boy, people were buying it up like crazy. Oh, okay. Tell, tell all the stock, you know, they're just selling it and sell. People are buying like, because there's a lot of fleas in the Dominican Republic, right? So then, uh, as the story goes, uh, the, everybody went home, applied it to their, to their pets and what have you, and, and Frodo is still in the middle of the night. You've all heard that little thing when Frodo's still scratching. So they wanted their money back. So that when they go to hold the salesman to account, like, this stuff doesn't work, I'm not returning. He says, you didn't use it according to directions. So this is what he says. He goes, cogele pulgi. What's a pulga? Alameda de las Pulgas means avenue of the fleas. Cogele pulgi. Get that flea. Abrili boki. Open its mouth. Metele remedie. Put in the, put in the sauce. Multele pulgi. Then the flea, the flea will die. Abrili boki. Cogele pulgi. Abrili boki. Pulle remedie. En mortele pulgi. So, uh, obviously, that was misrepresentation. Jesus doesn't do that to us. He doesn't say, by by my stripes, you're healed, if that isn't the truth. He doesn't say, your sins are forgiven, washed away into the sea of forgetfulness, if he didn't mean it. The same way he said, I'm going to my father's house. There's a lot of mansions there. I'm preparing a place. He says, I wouldn't have told you if it wasn't so. Now, watch it. A lot of people promise you a lot of things here on the earth that don't, that don't come to pass. Is that right? So Jesus does not exaggerate. Now, let's, let's just talk a couple of things about, about the kingdom. We're having a little fun so far tonight. Look what it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14 in the Passion Translation. I like that translation. It's kind of fun. He, he has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom, the realm of His beloved Son. Let's stop right there. First of all, He's acknowledging that there's a couple of kingdoms, doesn't He? That's real. That's truth. There are kingdoms. Even though you can't see them, they're there. There is a kingdom of God and there is a kingdom of darkness. Now watch this. And of course, the kingdom or realm of the beloved son. For in the son, all of our sins are canceled and we have... Uh, and we have the release of redemption through His very blood. This whole idea of being translated out of darkness, that's a kingdom reality. That is truth. Whether you feel like it or not, whether on Monday morning you or Thursday morning you wake up and you heard this scripture, you receive Christ and you know you're in the kingdom of God, but you feel about as lost as an old buzzard. We're not moved by what we feel. You have to hear the word or hear the truth. Amen. The truth. Okay, title of tonight is the truth. You shall know the truth. truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. Exactly. So let's look, let's look a little more of that. I'm not going to belabor this. There's, there's various laws that he sets forth as truth. For instance, the law of seed, time, and harvest is a great example. That's real. In Genesis 8.22, New King James, we'll take about three minutes on this. It says, while the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, shall not cease. God set that in motion. The seasons, they're upheld by the word of His power. Not by some goo that exploded somewhere so many years ago. 
You look at what it says in Galatians 6, 7 in the New King James Version. It's, it's the law of sowing and reaping. Basically, it's the same thing. For do not be deceived. God is not marked. Whatsoever a man sows, what? That he will also reap. Irrespective of what, what you see or don't see or what the devil's been trying to talk to you. We, we preached on, on watering your seed the last time out. This is a law that will not allow you to mock God. It's going to happen. What you sow, you're going to reap. Now, let me suggest to you, water your seed. Or listen to the message before. A lot of people are just, they do something and then they walk away from it. Well, you've got to water it. Water it with praise between the amen and the here it is. You've got to do something. You've got to water that seed. Somebody said amen. amen. Of course, there's the law of faith, which says, Surely I say, in Mark 11, 23 and 24, Surely I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed, cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he said. Therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you might have them. No, you, sh- you will have them. Right? You will have them. So these are, these are various things that God has set into motion. They are, they are part of the truths of our family. You know, the, the father and his kids. These are truths that are revealed to us. Other people look at us and say, you're nuts. What are you doing? You've got to keep everything. Hang on to everything. No, no, no. We're sowing. We're sowing things. We're, we're giving kindness. Man, you ought to knock that person on that. No, no, we're going to sow love. Let me go buy donuts for that person. <laughs> that's sowing love. That's, that's, that's how we roll in our, in our family. Is that right? So let's, let's, I took about three minutes there. That's about right. But I want to get back to now how truth is foundational to Christian culture. Check this out. In, in, in Psalms 51.6... There is, there is a call for having the truth on the inside. Notice what it says. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. In the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. That, that's multifold, friends. That's showing you that you are not... There's, you are somebody on the inside. That's who you are on the inside. And God wants that truth to be on the inside. Of course, Jesus said, Thy word is truth. Didn't he say that? Yes. It says, Thy word is truth, which we'll get to in a little bit. But so when you say that I'm going to put, I want the truth to go in me, it's, I don't know, I don't believe it's possible for you to have truth in you to walk in the kind of truth that you need and want to survive or thrive. And I'm not talking Kaiser. To thrive and survive right here in the nasty now and now. Without the word, because Jesus said the word is truth. Now, I like dreams and visions like the next guy. I like, oh, angels. Oh, did you see that? Wait a minute. I saw something. Raul, did you see that? Oh, right there. Wait, no, over there. I like angels like the rest, like the other guy. But you know what? I'm not living my life by whether or not I saw an angel or whether I got a goosebump. I need the truth. I need the word. You need the truth. And you need what? The Word. The Word and the truth. The Word and the truth working together. And we have to tell ourselves, we're, we're on a journey to tell ourselves the truth about the situations in our life. Amen. All right, so moving right along. So let's, let's talk about how truth, how, how truth, how God requires truth. Just some, some thoughts. We won't be turning to Scripture, but in John 4.24, saints are supposed to worship God with it. You know, in spirit and in truth. That, in that case, it means sincerity. In 1 Kings 2.4, walk before God in truth. In Proverbs 23.23, we're supposed to buy it, buy the truth and not sell it. In other words, grab it and don't let go. Hallelujah. And then in 1 Corinthians 13.6, we're supposed to rejoice in it. You know, love rejoice not when at evil, but when right and truth prevail. That's where you rejoice, 1 Corinthians 13. Look what it says in Philippians 4.8. We're supposed to meditate on it. You know, meditate on things that are true. Truth. Amen. Instead of, you know, things that are not. And how lousy everything in the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, it's not going to hell in a handbasket if you just start looking at the truth. You start realizing that there's the rain of the Spirit falling, and there's a great harvest happening. Hallelujah. 
We're, in Proverbs 3 3, we're supposed to bind it around our neck. In Proverbs 3 3, again, we're supposed to write it upon the tablets of our heart. What? It. Truth. In Proverbs 12 22, God delights in those that deal in it. We're instructed to speak the truth in love, which is another day we'll talk about that perhaps. And in John 17, I've got to read this to you. John 17 17 through 19 in the New King James Version. The word is truth. Check this out. Sanctify them by your truth. This is a priestly prayer that Jesus prayed. He's asking the Father, sanctify them. That's you and me, right? Uh, and, and those that would believe. Uh, by your truth. So the truth sanctifies. Your word is truth, he said. And he goes on to say, as you sent me into the world, I have... I also have sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified by what? By the truth. Now let me tell you how important sanctification is. I mean, this isn't a fuddy-duddy church saying you can't have fun. You can't ever have fun, you can't ever enjoy life, you can't ever eat good food, or you can't ever, don't ever watch TV, or don't ever go to a movie. We're not saying that. What we're saying is, make sure you live a sanctified life, set apart. Amen. Now, I want to notice, I want you to show something. When, when, the, when the truth comes to you about something, how we are supposed to cooperate with it. In this case, uh, sanctification. I so love the, the account of the Hebrew children in the book of Exodus chapter 8. I will, I will, there, are three, there are three scriptures that give the account uh, verbatim, but I'm just gonna, uh, I'm going to summarize two of them and we'll read the third one. And that was in Exodus 8, 22 to 24. It says, it says, In that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, which my people shall dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land, and I will make a difference between my people and your people. Friend, there should be a difference between a Christian that loves God, that serves God daily waiting at His gate, on their knees seeking God early in the morning. First thing, put God first place. There should be a difference between a man and woman and a boy and girl that does that versus people that, that say, that oh, I don't believe that God stuff. Let's go to the Raider game. And I'm not saying that if you go to the Raider game, you're not a believer. I should, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I stepped on a holy cow. Whoa, a holy pigskin. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, let's, let, let's go boating. How about that? Sorry, the boating fans. Let's go boating uh, Sunday. Who needs to go to church? Let's go boating. Yeah, I need to relax. Oh, my Lord. I said, oh, my Lord. You know, it says, I, there should, there will, when the storms of life come to the person that is... Honest to goodness, connected to the vine, like Pastor Brent said, not sort of, kind of, but really in it, you will stand, your house will stand. Hallelujah. And if I've been around the block more than once, in other words, I'm not 19, I'm not 29, I'm not 39, I'm not 49, I'll stop right there. I'm not 59 either. (laughs) I'll stop right there. But there's a confidence that you have when you're facing life. When you know that you know that I am His and He is mine. That I seek His face no matter what. I'm seeking His face. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you've made that decision. There is no turning back. Whether it benefits me or not, this is not out of convenience. It isn't because it's socially acceptable or socially unacceptable. It isn't because there is uh, some type of, of financial gain to it. It's because I know that He is God and that he, he birthed me into His family and I owe Him my life. Amen. I owe it to Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So... There was, there was a thing about the flies. Is I'm making a difference between you, my people, and your people. There is a difference. The people that honor God and people that don't. People that seek God and people that don't. You could kind of... Look at the next, the next plague that came was the one about the livestock. So those of you that have dogs and cats and dinosaurs... Oh, did I say that? Uh, Exodus 9, 3-6 through 6 talks about in New King James. It was, had to do about livestock. And that, that was that the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field and on the horses and on the donkeys and the camels, the oxen and the sheep and a very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the live... Even your dog. God will make a difference between your dog and the devil's dog. 
because you sought the Lord. Now, don't ask me if all dogs go to heaven. Don't ask me that. But I know there's animals in heaven. And my wife had a dream about seeing our dog up there. But I don't know. This is, this is getting a little off, off, off the color right there. But, but I will say this. He makes a difference even between your dog and the devil's dog down the street. Demon dog down the street. That pit bull or whatever that is. And he, said, and he goes on to say a very severe pestilence and the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So listen, so nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Nothing shall die. Nothing shall die. Nothing. I've done a message a couple of times. It's kind of a favorite of mine. It's called Not and Hoof shall be left behind. They're trying to bargain. Moses is, is with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is trying to bargain with him. He says, okay, I'll tell you what, I won't, I'm not going to let you, I'll tell you what, just leave, leave, the, leave, leave your, your animals, and leave your children, and leave your wives. He says, nope, the, the wives, everybody, everything comes. Everybody goes, okay, we'll make another deal. Okay, okay, you could go with you and your wives, and but leave the donkey. No, nobody gets left behind. And he kept turning Pharaoh down, because we don't cut deals with the devil. You don't need a deal with the devil. Oh, God, help me say this right. You don't need a deal with the devil to make it in this day and hour. Now, I understand if times get hard, that means we need to be on our knees seeking God. If you know my, one of my testimonies, all, which I won't go into again, but when, I, when the storms hit my house, I hit my knees. I got up early in the morning, three, four in the morning. I didn't want it to be too dark and I didn't want the light to be too, too bright. So I lit a candle. Yes, Dee Dee Martin. I lit a candle and I did pray. Stop it. <laughs> I, lit a, yeah. I lit a candle and I put my face on the floor and I sought the Lord. I felt like David at Siglag with almost a million of dollars in debt and no way for me to, to, to I needed a miracle. But I said, I saw God day after day. I have several friends in here that helped me walk through that. I'm not sure if it was you or Eleni that drew that picture. Maybe it was you that drew that picture of that hand that went down. There's a dark storm. I still have that picture today. God protected us. Hallelujah. He will always protect. He makes a difference. He makes a, it. Does it really matter, Pastor Tom, that I go to church? Yes! That I got the truth coming into me on a regular... Yes! It makes a difference. The truth will set you free. The truth will lift up a standard for you. And of course, the other one I was going to turn to, Exodus 11, 4 through 7, New King James Version. That was the, the, the uh, curse of the firstborn. Uh, Moses said... Thus saith the Lord, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die uh, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn, even the animals. I said even Fluffy. Okay, let's leave Fluffy out of it. She was the nice little lamb that was... Let's pick somebody out. Even Arnold. Okay, there you go. Arnold. And there, sh- and there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, as not... Uh, was not like it before, nor shall be like it again. But against none, everyone say that loud with me, against none, none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast, that you may know, that you may know, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. There's a difference between you and the person that doesn't honor God. There's a difference, friends. Hallelujah. Oh, that just, that just makes me happy. But you see what Jesus said. Let's go back. We talked a few moments ago. He said, he said sanctify them through your truth. What does sanctify mean? To set them apart. Like, okay, I'm going to take, take Raul over here. I'm going to set Raul and Dell, and I'll put them in a safe place. I know I'll put them in a high place up here. This is Raul, and the Lord's going to cover him with his... He says, I'm going to put them in a high place right here so the devil can't mess with Raul right here. I'm going to, put, I'm going to do this for all. Hallelujah. And then, so, whose power no foe can withstand. He'll dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. I like that. How about you? Hallelujah. But Raul doesn't have exclusive rights to the presence of God. Trust me. 
<laughs> I don't know. Why are you sitting there, bro? It just makes me want to pick on you. Like, that's what happened. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, moving right along. Oh, boy, I'm feeling something here tonight. Sanctified. Set apart. Protected. Protected. The, the truth will do that for you. When you go to church and you have your antennas up, you should be receiving truth. I mean, I love, like the next guy, I love to have the cookies that happen at second wind. I can get in there. I'm sure, I mean, I do qualify for second wind. Stop it. And I could go in there. I could have all the cookies I want. I could have all the, every, but, but you know, I don't come to church for the cookies like I did when I was a little kid and go to Sunday school. I have no idea what Sister Cabrera was teaching me with the little flannel Jesus and all that. Just get to the cookie part. Hurry up. Get to the cookies. I want them cookies. Give me them cookies right now. But I learned, I'm not coming to church for cookies I'm coming to the church for the truth give me the truth I need truth I have a hunger for it because I know it's the truth that's going to do what set me free it will sanctify me hallelujah look what it says in 1st Peter 1 22 it purifies the soul in 2nd Timothy 2 15 it should be rightly divided the word of freedom, the word of truth, needs to be rightly divided. That's why, does it really matter where you go to church or what radio show you listen? Yes! Well, I thought, I thought everybody, it's all the same, one big happy family. Well, sorta, you better get to where the feeding is the truth. Now, I'm not saying this is the only place for truth, but I'm just saying be careful. Because, you know, this is why. And you shall know the truth. And the truth that you know will set you free. So I'm not, if, if there's another camp preaching a truth about something else, but you need a truth for this, okay? Uh, guess where you should be? You should be getting truth for what you need in your life right now. Amen. I'm just saying. You know there are different purposes in different camps in the body of Christ, or did you know that? Says they're, they're, and they're all wonderful. This is, this is God's divine plan. There are multiple uh, camps. and We're not saying we're the only... Are you kidding me? There's some great churches in the area. But the thing is, where is the truth for you? Because when the, when the storm hits or when it's time to press for the truth yeah. and you need it to save your uh, situation or to turn your situation on something that you could stand on, you have to have been in a place where it's the truth that you know that's fresh right now. The truth that you know right now. That's the truth that's going to help you. Not just any truth. Not just how wonderful the weather is. <laughs> okay, I don't, and, and, and please understand, forgive me, I don't want to demean any other message that other people are preaching. But what I'm saying is, every camp God has anointed and ordained, they have a mission. They have a mission, and they're supposed to be preaching and teaching what He says. Not all ch- every church you go into, they're not all saying exactly the same thing. They're one's preaching on love, the other one's preaching on the gifts of the Spirit, the other one is praying, you know, miracles, the other one is is teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, one another church is teaching on faith, another one's just doing a project, getting people saved, evangelistic. They're all part of the kingdom. You can't disparage or despise anyone. When you take communion, you're supposed to acknowledge the body of Christ. But, but you need to be in sync with the camp that you have been called into. I'm just saying. And when they were let go, they went into their own company, it says about the apostles. Okay, move right along. So, I want to say a couple of things about uh, that was rightly dividing the truth. In 2 Timothy 4.4, that was free. 2 Timothy 4.4 says that the the wicked turn away from it. It says uh, in 2 Timothy 3.8 that the wicked resist it. Now, this could be church people, this could be politicians, this could be teachers, this could be school, this could be work-related situations. There are people that resist the truth, or did you not figure that out yet? Not everybody loves the truth. Look at this. It says, and then it says in 1 Timothy 3, 5, that the wicked are destitute of it. They're destitute of the truth. So let me just say a couple things as I'm closing. Is that okay tonight so far? I just, I just have like 30 more pages of notes. Just kidding. I just have a couple. <laughs> I feel an anointing to... I'll go ahead and go into this. Regarding the current state of affairs uh, in the U.S. And, and kind of socially in that, 
Notice what it says in Isaiah 59.14 in the King James Version. And this, this speaks to, to the observation that truth is fallen in the streets. That got me when, when I read that. Truth is fallen. Judgment is turned away backward and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Allow me to share a couple more things. These are different little snippets from different versions. The Amplified, the new version says, Truth has fallen in the city square and integrity cannot enter. Amplified classic, Truth has fallen in the city forum and uprightness cannot enter in the courts of justice. Look at, I, I do, if you do have the, the uh, CEV, put this one up, 5914 of Isaiah. Put that one up, the CE, the, the, uh, Contemporary English version. Ah, it's up there. Great. Check this out. Injustice is where? Okay, say it again. Where is it? It's everywhere. Justice seems far away. Truth is chased out of what? Court. Honesty is shoved, what? Aside. Look what the NLT says. Our courts oppose the righteous. NLT, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets and honesty has been outlawed. Now, this is what thrills my soul and Pastor Brenda really touched this on Sunday morning. What is the answer to all of this mess that we're in? What is the... Thank you. Somebody said, it's Jesus. (laughs) The answer to this present condition is Jesus. Jesus is the divine warrior for truth. Now I want to read this to you. Uh, This fact is established and cemented by the prophet Isaiah. The apostle Paul is not just drawing on Roman armor, but on Christ uh, as the fulfillment of the prophecy of the divine warrior who came to rescue God's people. Truth is stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking. The Lord saw it and was displeased. Then his own arm brought him salvation. He put on the righteousness as a breastplate, the helmet of salvation. Stay with me, we're getting to something on his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Isaiah 59, 17, and I'm not going to read all of that again. But the Lord saw that there was no justice and it displeased him. And when he saw that there was no man, verse 16, Isaiah 59, 16 in the New King James. I want, I need you to see this before I let you go. He saw, the Lord saw it and was displeased that there was no justice. And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, what happened? What was, what is it that God did? Therefore, His own arm brought salvation. God's own arm brought salvation. Stay with me, please. And His own righteousness, it sustained Him. For He put on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on His head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. And He was clad with zeal as a cloak. Understand, that there is a parallel between what's happening in Isaiah, what God is doing something Himself that only God could do, and what's, what you see, the demonstration of an armor that's happening in, uh, in Ephesians chapter, what is it, 6. And I want to draw your attention to this in Ephesians 6. 14, stay with me, because there's something here for you. Stand therefore, having your loins gird about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and on and on. But I have, an, I have something to point out here. Why is it that the first item on the armor was the belt of truth? We're talking about what tonight? Truth. The truth will set you free. Stay with me. Are you going to stay with me? Give me, who will give me like, it's only, it's not even 830 yet. It's like, come on now somebody, stay with me. I hear, I see the wheels turning. Check this out. He chooses to begin describing the set of armor by talking about what? The belt of truth. Why, of all things, a belt? He could have started with the mighty sword of the Spirit or the towering shield of faith, the shining breastplate of righteousness, anything but some measly old belt. Uh, But he didn't. 
so that begs the question of why, why, why is it that he starts with belt? Friends, let me, let me tell you something about the belt. It's known as a, a cingulum or the baltus. It played a critical role in the effectiveness of the soldier's armor. And even though you may have heard some of this, stay, stay sharp, you may catch something. It was the belt that held the scabbard or the sheath without which there would be no place to put the sword. You don't even have a place to be able to use or store the sword if you don't have the belt to begin with. That word, that reservoir of the word on the inside of you, that is the belt. In addition, the Nelson Study Bible says that from the belt hung strips of leather to protect the lower body. In Matthew Henry commentary says that the belt girds on and secures all the other pieces of the armor. Truth should cleave to us as a belt cleaves to our body. Also, almost everyone in those days wore some sort of long sheet or light robe, typically as a heat-defeating undergarment, quite similar to what you'd see in some Middle Eastern countries today. But if you were a soldier, this arrangement would present a problem. A long robe would make it difficult for you to move quickly. You'd trip over your robe. So make it, e- it would make you easily grabbed and you'd trip. So, so what, is, what am I saying here? The soldiers would do this fasten and tie up their uh, their robes to fasten all the excess f- fabric tightly to their body. That's why in older translations, Ephesians 6.14 will say something like, gird up the loins with truth. With this belt, what this belt did was free the soldier's leg up to help them to be ready for a fight. Do you have a faith fight in your life today? Absolutely you do. Some of you are in a financial fight right now. Some of you are fighting for your health. Some of you are fighting for your marriage. Some of you are fighting for a job. Some of you are fighting for your family, your kids. Come on. Somewhere along the line we're using, we're into the arena of the fight of faith. Stay with me. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It doesn't seem very dramatic. Where am I going to get to that? Am I going to get to that? (laughs) I think I might jump to that. In the book of Galatians, and I'm just going to have to summarize for the sake of time, it talks about how we are to operate, stand in the freedom wherewith Christ has set us free, but it's not for our fleshly lusts. Go to Galatians 6, chapter 1. Let's see if I could find that. This is important, and I know I'm running out of time. I'll be mindful of your time. Everybody relax. Galatians 6, chapter 1. Stand fast. That's not it. Go to 5 1. 5 1. That's a good one, too, but that's not what we're looking. 5 1. And, and, and put that up, if you will, and it's easy for you in the Passion Translation. Passion translation. That's going to be real easy. We're about to wrap it up. How many of you still with me? Give me three more minutes. I won't pull up Mario Murillo on you. Five more minutes. Okay, five more minutes. It's only a little... It's 8.31. We'll get this. Let me be clear. The anointed one has set us what? Now I want to stop right there right quick. There's a lot of people trying to do things to bring correct things to, to try to help. There's a lot of people trying to help situations in our world. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that what we need is Jesus. What we need is anointing. You need an anointing to change them. You don't need a march. You don't need a riot. You need an anointing to turn this boat around. You need an anointing to change the mindset of a country. You need an anointing. And I love it what it says in Isaiah 58. I just won't have time to get there. But it's the anointing of God that will will pour in the oil and the wine and to reestablish the the fallen uh, foundations of many generations. The anointing. And if you're not anointed to do it and you're not called to do it and you're not operating in the anointing, you're wasting your time. Because you need an anointing for it. And you could tell by the fruit of it. The, when the anointing comes, things are helped. Things are not made worse, things are helped. That's all I'm going to say about that. Let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this what? Truth. Truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Give me verse 2, please. Since I don't have it. Verse 2. 
Thank you. I, Paul, tell you, if you think there is a benefit in circumcision regulation, then you're acting as though Jesus, the anointed one, is not enough. Go to verse 3. I know we have to skip something. I say it again emphatically. If you let yourselves... Be, boy, skip, skip the next one. We're not following commandments of the law. Is that the next one? Give me verse 4. So we all understand that we're not, we're not doing earning any of this. It's not by human effort. It's by an anointing and a gift from God. Go to verse 6. Let's see if we can get to it. I'm tra- 5, 5. Galatians 5, 5. Help me out here. Help me out. 5, 5. But the Holy Spirit convinces us that we have received by faith the glorious righteousness of the anointed one. I'm going to stop right there because I'm fishing. Unless you go to 6 and maybe it's there. But the idea here is this, friends. He is the anointed one. We should point to Jesus. And I'm not finding what I need, but that's okay. You could blank that out. Basically, why the belt? Jesus took that belt of a servant. He wrapped himself in that sash and he went and he washed the disciples' feet. Do you remember that? Basically, that's what we're supposed to do. A person that's operating in the anointing of God should be taking the garb of a servant. So our warrior had the sash of a servant. And we are to, in love, serve one another. Does that make sense to you? What are, you let, let's see. Pray, pray a little bit and see, see if I have the, the, the final say on this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ha ha. Embrandala Bahaya. Yebratala Bahaya. Hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and read this because it's too good to not, and I'll close on this. In Luke 4, 16 through 20, he came to Nazareth in the Amplified Version. The Nazareth where he had been brought up and he entered the synagogue. He was, as his custom, on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and there was handed him the roll of the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened and unrolled the book and found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I want you to take seriously praying for people in the social arena. They really need the anointing of God. We need to pray for every single person that has authority in the United States, in your cities. We have to take this seriously. And don't just pray for people that were your pet candidate. Pray for every single one that has a position of authority. Not just the ones you like. Handed to him the book. He opened and unrolled it, found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach good news, the gospel, to the poor. He sent me to announce release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, sent forth, delivered those who are oppressed. Now look at this. Those who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. That's the anointing, friends. Now, I'm not saying that God cannot work through a, a government program, but what we need is the anointing of God to do this. Whoever is doing it, there's got to be an anointing. Somebody say amen, because it's the truth. And he goes, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the, somebody say, free favors. There's a lot being debated today about what should be given out for free. Well, how about we center up on the free favors of God where they profusely abound? Man, when you walk in the favor of God, He opens doors that no man can shut. He'll make opportunities for you. We've got to operate in the truth of these things. Amen. It, I, I would do better to operate in the favor of God and to, and to take advantage of that truth than for me to go to City Hall and pick it. I want, you know, more of this or that. Learn how to pray and rely on God. And go, I, I'm saying, go where the anointing is. That's what I'm saying. Hallelujah. Wherever the anointing of God is. Final say. I like, I, I like this when we recap about the belt. The answer begins by each of us asking this question. Um, uh, how do I uh, how do I put on that belt of truth how do I honor that belt of truth and I like I like what this author said and it's just one paragraph and I'll and I'll stop somebody said amen oh thank you the answer begins by each of us by asking ourselves the question who or what has the final say in my life when it comes to decisions I'm making 
how I navigate relationships, how I parent, how I work, how I worship and believe, or uh, what has the final say in my life. He's talking about what is our relationship to the truth. And it says, is, what has the final say? Is it my feelings? In the final assessment, do I simply do whatever I want to do? Is it a person? In the final assessment, do I simply do whatever my boss or my friends or my spouse or my mom wants me to? Is it my culture? In the final assessment, do I simply do whatever accords with the way the world seems to work and think today? How about comfort? Is it the final assessment? Do I simply do whatever is easiest and causes me the least amount of trouble or pain? If I, and I like what the author said. If I could write what the belt of truth is in one sentence, it would be this. To fasten on the belt of truth is to give Christ the final say in our lives. Let His truth have the final say in our lives. And be in a place where you receive the truth, love the truth, guard the truth, buy the truth. Savor the truth. Let it talk to you in the night season. Let it talk to you first thing in the morning. Let it correct you. That's okay. Let it direct you. Because if He can't correct you, He can't direct you. Hallelujah. Let the truth talk to you. Well, I just got a divorce. I feel like a failure. No, you have a failed marriage, but the Bible doesn't say that you're a failure. He says you're more than a conqueror. Yes, it's sad. Yes, but he's, he's also your comfort. He's going to help you through that. Well, I lost my job. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, what does the truth say? Well, well the truth kind of bolsters you up. Like David at Siglag, shall I pursue? Somebody here needs to pursue. Shall, shall, shall I try to get another job? Go, go and pursue it, for you will recover all. Get the strength from God, from His truth. Father, thank You for Your Word tonight. I thank You, Lord, that this is a place and places like it that lift up the truth of Your Word. Thank You that You sanctify us by it. You lift us up. You give us an inheritance by it. You heal us by it. Thank You, Lord. Hallelujah. We help, you help us to worship You by it. In Jesus' mighty name. We worship you and thank you in this place, Lord. You show us who you are. You show us who Jesus and the Holy Spirit is. and You show us who we are in Him. You show us who the body of Christ is. You show us what time it is. You show us opportunity that without faith, quite frankly, we can't take those opportunities. Thank you, Lord, that you define us. You show us. You, 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 like we said earlier, you correct us. You love us enough to correct us. And then direct us into places, uh, good places. We know the thoughts that you have for us. They're not, they're not thoughts of evil, but they're of good. To, to bring us to a safe and, and, and healthy landing place. Hallelujah. Thoughts of good and not of evil. We worship you, Lord. I pray for my friends right now. Lord, when the word, when the truth comes to them. When the storms of life come to them, may the, may the truth, may that belt of truth just stay right there and hold fast so that they can reach for their sword when they need to. Hallelujah. Let that, let that truth hold them steady in, in the storms of life, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Did you get anything out of that tonight? Hallelujah.